You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to this week's Attacking Scrum podcast. Wales are back with a win and we're here to take you through all of the reaction to that. We've also got reaction to uh, Ireland's defeat out in France and uh, we might even talk about the uh, the England-Italy game as well. But of course, we're going to be, co- we're going to be concentrating on uh, on Wales. We've got a very, we're up against it time-wise as well. Murph's, um, Murph's off out to the Super Bowl and potentially fraternising with more famous podcasts than this one, as he normally does <laughs> for the Super Bowl. And, uh, and Dan's got a big not, day of him. It's no one from Harlequins, I can assure you. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, Dan's got a big day ahead of him selling a house to Danny Kerr or, uh, or Marcus Smith tomorrow. There's another, there's another floor gone on Marcus Smith's house. Uh, Alex, Alex Don Brown wants another, apparently. Does he? Yeah. Yeah, he does. So, yeah. so yeah, we're going hey, to up I, the tempo in true Lloyd Williams style, Dan. That's it. Let's up the tempo. Up the tempo. We've got some listeners' questions in this week as well, which is good. So we'll uh, we'll be getting to grips with them. Uh, but let's get your take on the game first and foremost. Let's start with uh, start with you, Murph. Take on the game. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love the way you thought that was an absurd question. There. <laughs> well, it just. What the, I was what the hell are you asking me that for? I was hoping for something more specific, like you know, uh, I. I we were saying off air that um, uh, the t- TV people were saying that the Wales were awful mm. uh, last week and brilliant this week. I-, I thought they were anything but brilliant this week. They they just managed to get past a Scotland side that underperformed on the day. We still, I mean, we we scored a try, which was a driven line out. Mm-hmm. Uh, we almost scored. Um, uh, I would have been over the moon if Cuthbert had scored that try. Mm. Uh, we almost scored another try there, which was basically from a turnover in their 22, I think it was. Yep. Um, uh, but yeah, yeah. there's no, there's still no attacking shape in midfield. So, you know, we've squeezed past Scotland at home. And now we're going to go to uh, Twickenham, England away, and then France at home without, you know, don't get me wrong. I'm glad we won yesterday because we would have been in a wooden spoon decider last day of mm. the season, which is, you know, it's shameful, isn't it? Um, embarrassing, but uh, we're still going to face two really good. Well, England at home are very good. Obviously, eighty-five percent win rate or something. Um, and then, and then uh, uh, France at home. Who, uh, to me, France should be favourites for the World Cup the way they're playing. Um, and we, we've got no attacking shape in midfield. There's just no. This. It was much better in the centre because we had actual centres playing there. But uh, I, I'm marginally more enthusiastic than I was last Sunday. 
Dan, I'm going to come to you. You're normally the uh, the voice of optimism on this one. Uh, of course, it's my New Year's resolution to be more optimistic and positive about things, so it will come to me later. But do you agree with Murph's assessment, or you do you think there's there's a bit more reason to be cheerful after that? It's a win, after all. Yeah, for me, I thought that it was a brilliant performance by the forwards. So massive performance from from from, from the pack, which we desperately needed. Line out went line out went brilliantly, scrums went well, and yeah, we had a we had a driving line out and a and a maul that you know was looking like it, it it could have gone the length of the pitch at times. Something we haven't seen for you know for a long time. So I was delighted with that. I think our you know the forwards um, went so well, and I agree with Murph in the backs. I thought we looked we we didn't have anything to to offer. Um, in the back, so I thought Scotland didn't either, to be honest, and 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 probably helped us with with some completely aimless kicking. If they kept the ball in hand, I think they they, they could have caused us trouble because we couldn't we couldn't defend Darcy, um, Darcy Graham at all, could we? No. Um, I'm sure we'll come on to Zamit a bit later, but they um, I thought it was a it was an okay game, wasn't it? It was just a game that we desperately needed to win. We got it, uh, and yeah, big big pluses in the forwards for me yeah I thought quality wise you're right it was an okay game I think from you know in terms of yeah it might not have been a spectacle but it was it was exciting you know it's good to have a game where you go into the last and and it you know it's a it's a close contest and and it was in fair play to Wales for for closing it out so yeah we'll go into a few of those things in a in a bit more detail in the moment the one thing that I thought was interesting was I really thought, you know, if you go back like 10, 12 years when Andy Robinson was, you know, begging to keep the roof open so that it would keep Scotland in the game and stuff like that, I actually think that that decision, albeit COVID uh, driven this time around, I think that really helped, uh, that helped Wales, you know, when it came to it. There was a lot of kind of niggly little spills in contact and people not looking entirely comfortable when it came to the kicking game. You know, Finn Russell had a, uh, a pretty woeful game from a kicking perspective anyway. And and I think that really, that really favoured Wales. You know, I think it, it, mean, it meant that there was a bit more, a bit more structure to the game and a bit less of the opportunity for, for Scotland to run riot. And, um, you know, but that said, you've, you've got to play what's in front of you. So I think, you know, I, I've been inclined to agree with you, Dan, there was a massive step up from the forwards and, it does give you something to build on when you've got set piece that works. It keeps you in a game and you can sneak a game. And that's basically what happened yesterday, I think. Yeah, we had an edge phys- we had an edge physically as well, didn't we? We looked we looked we looked a lot a lot livelier, a bit more niggle in there, which which I think we need. Um and we just we just seemed like we, we, we wanted it and, and the physicality was was literally you know, a thousand percent up on where it was against on where it was against Ireland. It really was. Um, you know, Tom 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 Francis had a cracker. I mm. thought he, he thought he got through a lot of work, and we needed to see more, didn't we, from the from those boys and and Ryan Elias' big game and Win Jones as well. So, yeah, pretty pretty pleasing. Um, I thought Walking, you know, Walking made us look give us a, a better shape in the backs. He had one really good break, didn't he, which. Which which led to uh, an incident that we'll come on to, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, um, with the, with a tap down. Um, yeah, but we did look. We, we we had to kick in the backs, didn't we? Because we, whenever we looked to do something with it, we were we were going backwards. Our shape was all over the shop, really. Well, yeah. Let's um let's head on to that because that is one of the questions that we've um that we've had in. Uh, this one was from James Gwynn. Forwards massively fronted up yesterday. Uh, the back row was fantastic, but it feels like they lack a creative spark from the backs. I think we're all in agreement on that. Where do you think that spark can come from? I'll come to a man who knows a lot about uh, spark in the backs. Murph? <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. I, 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 you know, uh, Dan Bigger, it was interesting that he said he's one of the biggest um, wins of his career. When you consider, you know, he was playing uh, in 2015 away at Twickenham. Yeah. He was playing in uh, all the big World Cup games, and he was playing in uh, 2013, I think. Was he playing outside half that day? Oh yeah, he was. He had a great year. Yeah. Yeah. 
so that's a big statement, you know, and I suppose when you consider he's the captain on the day and it's also his 100th cap, then it was, it was for that reason more than anything else to do with the performance. Um, I, 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 first of all, look, we've made a, we've, we've made a start by picking centres in the centre rather than yep. Josh Adams. He, uh, we don't know if he might have persevered if Josh Adams' uh, calf wasn't tight. He might have persevered with him. Um, but John Davis came off the bench and just made more defensive reads in, I don't even know how he's on, he was ten, 10 minutes maybe he was on for, yeah. 15 minutes. He made more defensive reads in those few minutes than the others have done throughout the whole uh, mm. Six Nations so far, the whole uh, uh, 160 minutes we've played so far. So, you know, it, it, it could be that Pivak feels that uh, John Davis hasn't got the legs anymore to play the attacking mm. style of rugby that he wants to play and so on and so forth. That's fine, but where is this attacking style of rugby we want to play? All I see is disjointed midfield. Yeah. So it wouldn't matter if if I if I was out there, it wouldn't make any you know because there's no flow, there's no shape, there's no communication. Like when when you watch uh, um, the Irish kind of not back three, front three, if you like, yeah. 10, 12, 13, and the French 10, 12, 13. The, well, even Scotland last week, not this week, but last week, there's there's, there's options a, either side, isn't there? There's like a plan in in place mm. when even from open play, like fifth, sixth, seventh phase, there's some kind of shape. They pointed out t- tonight that everyone was running down the same channel and different things. Um, I, I I don't think picking and choosing personnel, different personnel, will make any difference if there's no. You know, maybe we haven't got a, a midfield genius, hand, uh, ball handling genius in midfield. I don't think we've had for probably the best passing centre we've had in the last 10 years is uh, Hadley Parks. Mm. And we didn't use him for it. <laughs> we didn't use him as yeah. a crash ball guy, but he had, he had great hands. But whenever he played outside centre for the Scarlets, he used to put the winger in space all the time. Uh, we didn't use him in that way. So I don't, I, 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 I don't know where, where they're going to, get that from but so long as the uh, set piece holds together and we're competitive at the breakdown we've got time to put those things in place but if we go if we revert back to last week where everything was wobbling you know scrum line out in, in fairness the scrum last week was interpretation because Porter got seen to a little bit today and uh, yesterday in France mm. uh, and that was because the referee wasn't protecting him um so, you know, as, as always, as long as the basics are in place, which is uh, defence, a goal kicker and a set piece, you'll be, in, you'll be competitive. But in terms of any attacking shape, I mean, nothing, nothing in this season, you know, the autumn or, the, or these games so far. So, Dan, any, um, any thoughts around that? Do you think, you know, personnel change might freshen things up a little bit or actually is it a question of trying to find a settled team and and just trusting that that they're kind of going to get better and that shape will come i think there's, I think there's a few bits really i mean murph's point on on hadley parks we we massively miss hadley parks don't we i mean the shape he used to give us and and the sort of comfort and we, we we're missing we're missing that type of player in the in the center who was our go-to guy and i think we based we based a lot of our play our play around him, didn't we? Um, so I think I think a big part of it is is having a game plan in the backs and a structure that that players can can slot into if we are going to make changes. Like I, I, it doesn't look like there is one at all. And so I agree with Murph really that we can make changes, but I don't think I I, I don't massively think that's going to help. I think we need to stick with. You know, stick with the, the these two these two centres now. Give them you know, give them another run with 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 bigger as well. But just work on how we're going to play. Who's going to you know who's going to who's going to carry? Who's going to run? I do think as well. I don't. I have no idea whether I'm right on this, but I do think that Tomkins is potentially a difficult cent, a difficult play player to build the backs around because of the way in which he plays. And I and I, and I thought you know he had a good game yesterday, but. Part of me still thinks, can we, can we run a backline with him in there? Even when he is the number one back, say for instance, playing well, I still have my touts. Um, yeah, I, I I know exactly what you mean, actually, and I thought that, and I know we we have been quite critical in the in the past, you know, in the in the autumn in particular, and I didn't think he played particularly well in the autumn. He's playing very well individually, but I know exactly what you mean. I thought we definitely benefited from having Watkin 
in that centre berth. And I just thought he looks like someone who knows how to play in the centre. I know, you know, obviously I booted the ball out on the full at one point. It was far from a flawless performance. But I know exactly what you mean about that shape and even defensively having that bit of shape. And Murph's right, when John Fox came on, again, you saw that there were some, some big reads at moments in a game where it, where it kind of really mattered. I, I know exactly what you mean around uh, around Tompkins. And it's, it's really, really difficult to, to kind of criticise because, again, he put in a big performance, big turnovers, you know, some nice... Um, yeah, it was a nice offload to, to Jack Morgan to, to kind of put him through. But I know what you mean, that that kind of overall shape in the back line still looks, it still looks very, very disjointed. And, you know, the, the only time I can remember Reece Zammett having the ball was he crashed it, crashed it up the middle twice. And I don't, I don't want to see, I don't want to see Reece Zammett doing that. You know, I, I want to see our front five doing that. I want to, I want to see him with the ball in, in a bit of space, you know. Um, so, yeah, it, I know, I know exactly what you mean, and it's 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 really really tough because, you know, he's arguably been one of Wales's best players in these first two games. But you know, he has, yeah. It's, it's, what is what's going to bring that? Yeah, what's going to bring that cohesion in the backs? Yeah, where are we going to get that? How is how are the combinations? Isn't it? He has he has been the yeah probably the standout back, but it's sometimes you know players have to make way, don't they, for a. <clears throat> You know, you often see it in the back row, don't you? You'll see combinations where you know there's there's a, there's there's a better player that isn't playing for some reason because the combination just doesn't quite work, the balance doesn't quite work, and that's something yeah. that I I don't know. I don't know whether that is the case, and there's anything in that or not, but it does. It pops into my head, you know, time and time again. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that maybe you know maybe could be looked at. Yeah, absolutely. One, um, I suppose, while we're talking about back play, one of the biggest talking points was that uh, Dan Bigger dropped goal when <laughs> uh, when we had penalty advantage. This one's come from Robert Giannotti. Biggest decision uh, to take the drop goal, right or wrong, Murph? Wrong. <laughs> Dan. Uh, <laughs> well, he, he already had the point. Is he already had the penalty? He already had three points in the bag. Uh, his defence is that there was no width. So he he's dropped back in the pocket, mm. and even if he'd stayed flat, there was no one in outside of the like the fifteen uh, channels uh, from from looking on TV anyway. So it didn't probably didn't make much difference. But in in all good uh, game management sense, they should have carried on playing. The Welsh team should have carried on playing with that ball until it went wrong, and they went back to the penalty and had three points anyway. Uh, aside from anything else, you could have. I mean, if you didn't score a try. You could have picked up a yellow card because they repeatedly offside. You could, anything could have happened. But, uh, we were lucky that they were underperforming for final way because that, that that three point lead gave them the chance to come back and win. Uh, and so we should have been going for that try. But you know, it, it, it's one of those that won't get remembered in years to come. Mm. Dan, right or wrong? I think it was the wrong. I think it was the wrong decision. I know loads of people have said now it was the right decision because we won, but it. Hmm. It still it still doesn't make it the right decision. I don't think it doesn't matter anymore. But if we're if we're asking what it what it was, I think it was the wrong decision because, you know, we had it was a free play, wasn't it? We had a, we had a free play to have a go penalty. We were coming back for the pen, so that says it all. It does. I mean, I could quite realistically have seen us play for like ten phases, <laughs> five minutes of the yellow card get eaten up, and then we go back for the penalty. Um, so in a way, you could argue that. You know, at least when you go back and you reset the shape, there's 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 perhaps a bit more chance. But yeah, it did, it did seem an odd one at the time. But ultimately, it ends up, you know, it ends up with a win. So I'm gonna, I don't know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna it's hard. I think it's hard to criticise a decision like that when you end up winning the game by three points. Well, it's oh, it's, yeah. it's hard in the heat of the moment as well. You know, yeah. you know the, the the noise and the the atmosphere in there as well. But I mean, even Liam Williams immediately asked him mm. what the hell he was doing. So there must be something in it, you know. Yeah. And he was there. So um, yeah, the only, like I said, the only defence was there was there was no there was no width for him to use anyone on a cross field or anything anyway. So no, there was nothing on, was there? No, Absolutely. No. I find it one of the most frustrating things in modern rugby when the minute yeah. a penalty advantage gets given, it's a cross kick to the winger, regardless of what's happening. Mm. I mean, like you say, there was no option there other than doing one of his kind of up and unders and hoping to catch it under the sticks and score. Like that was the, the, the best chance there was of a score and a try from that, I think. There was, yeah, there was, yeah, you're right, absolutely no width. But yeah, all of these things, um, yeah, all of these things will need to be worked on because it is 
Twickenham up next. Mm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and after that, we're going to have some more uh, some more questions from the listeners. Uh, we're also going to um, yeah going to preview that game at Twickenham, and we'll have a look at the uh, the action elsewhere. But first, we're going to take this quick break. Right, boys, flying through this. Incredible tempo, Dan. Keeping it up like your hero, Lloyd Williams. Um, Let's take another listener's question to kick off the second half. And uh, I think you'll like this one. This one's from Rhys Lloyd. Um, What should Nicola Sturgeon do with the 8 million Scotland Grand Slam winners 2022 t-shirts that she ordered last Saturday? (laughs) Oh, jeez. It's um, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I, de- I definitely, fa- obviously, as you know, I, I fancy Scotland to um, to win this one. I thought, God, if ever there's an opportunity for them to uh, to get rid of the the monkey off their back of twenty years of defeats in Cardiff, this was this was the one to do it. Um, yeah. But it almost feels like Scotland don't suit the uh, they don't suit the the favourites tag any better than we do. No, um, I mean, listen. Uh, I know it's a jokey question, but they were never going to beat France, even if they beat us. No, see if they sneak to win, sneak to win against us. Yes, they're never going to be. I don't think anyone's going to beat France, um, and Scotland definitely not. But um, I, I suppose uh, on the on on the subject, John Barkley's face after the game was worth it. <laughs> he looked like, you know, someone had shot his dog at the end. Especially when the more the more jolly. Uh, Jonathan Davis got on punditry. The more, the more his face just kept dropping towards the end. And by the time they, uh, uh, I can't remember who was presenting, was it Sonia or, or Gabby? Gabby. By the, time, by the time she wrapped up the show, he looked like he was ready to punch everyone and go home. So uh, I enjoyed that bit. Yeah. Oh, we've uh, we've lost down there. Oh no, he's back here. Oh, he's back. Um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I tell you what, a theory that I, that I've had, which is may or may not be related, but Scotland's away record, right? You know, I I kind of thought right that win last week, albeit at Murrayfield, they ground it out, they did good game management when it mattered, and in a big game they came out winners against England. But they are, they still look a good side at Murrayfield and very very vulnerable away from it. And I have this theory that home advantage post-COVID is almost even more amplified than it was beforehand. Because you've got kind of got used to 18 months of rugby without mm. having fans in the stadium and, and without having that that home advantage, I do feel like it, it kind of it's counting even more now. And um, I think it was a big shot in the arm for Wales yesterday. And I thought you know it was for, for Ireland last week, likewise, you know, likewise France. I think sadly not enough for Italy to even get a point on the board, but I, I do think it. I do think there is there is something in that, and um, and we, yeah, that kind of makes me feel like uh, like it's going to be a very very difficult outing to to Twickenham in a fortnight. Any uh, any any thoughts on that, Dan, or am I just uh, am I just talking nonsense as usual? On the, on the Twickenham, the Twickenham game. Well, well, just no, just generally on the kind of the home advantage, perhaps being a bit more a bit more significant this season than in uh, than pre COVID. Yeah, potentially. I, I, I'm not sure whether there's whether there's there's too much difference really. I just think this like Scotland you know, Scotland definitely struggle away from mm. away from home, don't they? You know, historically and and yesterday they had, you know, looking at the looking at the stats, they had five five line breaks to our one, defenders beaten Scotland twenty five, that's eleven. So I mean, they 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 had enough they had enough there to win it, but for me, their big game players blew it. You know, Hog Hog and Russell both, you know, both made a number of wrong decisions when when it when it was really on. I can't um, just I can't just gloss over you uh, bringing your homework to the table here, Dan, <laughs> bringing up stats and and research. Like if you if you nicked Brynmore's stat pad. Have you uh, you broken into his garage in Cowbridge and, uh, and 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 got a loan of the stat pad for the afternoon? Yeah, I had a little, uh, I had a little, a little note on my pager from Brynmore <laughs> and Sean Holly. <laughs> um, yeah, got a few notes, Jed, this week. Uh, well, I'm very, I'm very impressed. Um, yeah, I think notes. you're right in in but, terms of those two big game players. They had real, real off days and. It was one of those games where you just needed one of them to, to take it by the scruff of the neck. And 
not even do something magic, just, you know, get hold of it, calm things down a bit and, uh, and trust yeah. that you're going to be able, you're going to be able to get over the line. You know, they only needed to get to sneak a penalty here and, and just keep the scoreboard ticking over, which is something that Wales did really well. Yeah. All they, all they needed to do was, was, was literally hold on to the ball basically. But yeah, there was, there was wayward, there was terrible kicks, just, just poor decisions really from those two guys. And those are the guys that they look towards, aren't they? So when, when we rattled them and they still could have won it still, but um, yeah, it, it's, I had a feeling we would win and it, and it would be, and it would be close, but purely on the fact that they, they massively struggled down with us. Uh, no, nothing other than that really. And it, it it continues, doesn't it? So Nicholas Sturgeon's gonna have to keep those those t-shirts for, for for next year, Scotland's year. That's it. Yeah, they'll be in they'll be in they'll be in Brynmore's garage before you know it. It's an old bike, a few tins of paint, bag of bag of cement that hasn't been used for a while, a stat pad, and eight eight million eight million uh, Scotland Grand Slam uh, t-shirts. I could do with that bag of cement, Mike. <laughs> I like the idea, the premise of the question. Uh, Grossly overestimates the population of Scotland as well. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, yeah, I suppose you factor in uh, factor in expats and the, the Scottish diaspora. And, yeah, and, you know, probably a few Welsh people to buy them as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, it felt like there was eight million in um, in the millennium yesterday. There was a lot. It's, it's definitely one of those fixtures where Scots always travel to Cardiff and and the Welsh always travel up to Edinburgh, aren't they? I think it's definitely one of the ones that there's always a lot of away support at. Oh, yeah. I mean, and I live here in the middle of Cardiff, and they're here on Thursday. You know, yeah. there's guys in kilts all over the city centre on Thursday. You know, it's, it's just a thing. People have been doing it for generations, and uh, it's the, possibly the best part of the whole tournament. Yeah. Well, long, yeah. long may that continue, and long may we continue to beat them in Cardiff as well. It's, uh, <laughs> it, it, always, it always makes for a pleasant weekend when the, uh, when, when the Scotland game rolls around. Um, Moving on, though, let's take this one. This has come from Giving Up the Gun, and it says, uh, is there a chance Elias could oust Sheriff as the first choice, busy in the loose, and uh, and hit his darts yesterday? Very impressive. What do you reckon, Murph? I mean, obviously, he's, he's coming for a lot of a lot of slack, fronted up, man of the match yesterday. Um, I think, well, I think, he's, think? Got, he, he's got to anyway because of uh, Sheriff's age. You know, mm. uh, 35, and he just... Purely can't keep going on that much longer. Next World Cup at the most, I would say, for the Sheriff. Uh, uh, significantly, um, I thought Dewey Lake looked great. Yeah. Um, the, the big criticism of him is his set-piece work. Yeah. And there was nothing wrong with it in, a, in, a, in an international game yesterday. And I think he might be a better carrier than uh, Elias myself. He, he, I mean, I think, I think the reason why Dewey Lake attracted tension early on uh, when he was in the under 20s partly because he's playing well for the under 20s and partly because physically he looks like an international player he looks the part the guy mm-hmm. you know we, we in this country we sometimes get unusual shapes <laughs> rising to the very <laughs> top of the game there's, there, uh, yeah. there's three unusual shapes here but uh, it's not rising <laughs> okay. to the top of the game in some regards Ken Owens is a funny shape yeah. he? he's, he's all top heavy and little legs you know what I mean he's not like a guy you would imagine to be able to play like he does if you know what I mean. Whereas um, Dewey Lake is a big boy. He's more, uh, not, I don't want to over-egg the situation, but he's more of an uh, like an athletic-looking South African hooker yeah. than he is uh, uh, one of our dumpy little Welsh guys. <laughs> so um, if he continues to hit his darts and the scrum didn't seem to suffer with his presence, then he's going to be pushing Ryan Elias hard as well. What do you reckon, Dan? Um Thoughts on the kind of the, the short, medium, and long term future of, of who's going to wear the number two shirt? I think, I think if Ryan Elias, if Ryan Elias is incredible round round the park, isn't he? I think he's up there with with the top, the top loose um, loose hookers in the world. That's how that's how that's how highly I put him round the park. Really? I, I, yeah, I really do. I think his work rate is exceptional. I, I really do mean that. Um, we've struggled in the line out whether or not that's him or a combination of things. A lot of people saying it's a, it's a combination, isn't it? And it went, went, went really well yesterday. And he's a good scrub. He's a good scrummaging hooker as well, isn't he? So if, if the set piece functions, then yeah, he could overtake Ken Owens quite, you know, quite easily, I suppose, really, if he, if, if the, if the set piece functions, cause he's brilliant around the park. 
for me. And then Dewey Lake, I agree with Murph. I thought he was brilliant off mm. off off the bench, played really well. I found myself looking at him thinking, geez, this guy is a monster. He's a yeah. big, big man, as you see in his neck and his head, and then he just got moved down to his shoulders and it keeps going. He's a big boy and he carried really well. And I was saying I was speaking to the TV. I was speaking to the to, to, to the girls who were with me, you know, we we've got to make sure this line out goes well now. Obviously they were yelling and screaming and not for the right reasons. Um and he hit it. He he went well, didn't he? So mm. yeah, from from being worried about the hooker, you know, the hooking position, because were we gonna win our ball? We've come out of this game looking good. I, I still think um, Ken Owens is a better carrier than Ryan Elias. Um, but, you know, like I say, his, his days are numbered. I mean, this situation could be the benefit of having uh, Jonathan Humphreys as the forwards coach because he's obviously working with the hookers. But then the guy before him was also a hooker, Robert McBride. So I don't mm. suppose that carries too much weight. But there's definitely improvement in, in those two youngsters there. So he's not, well, Ryan Elias is not young, but you know what I mean? New, newcomer to the side anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it's good. It's a good point. I um, I don't know. I, I still think you know if, if Ken is fit, he's the best. He's the best hooker. Um, we need the leadership the now. Yeah, we're sure the, the leadership. leadership. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think I think I agree. I think he's a better carrier. I think you know generally, as Welsh hookers go, you can trust his darts, and um, and I think that's you know that's that's really exciting. Right now, Elias, you know, if he if he can have a game like that every game, and then Dewey Lake come off the bench and and make an impact, that will serve us well for the remainder of this tournament. And then, um, and then to kind of see what happens, uh, see what happens after that. But Jed, yeah, the leadership, think... the leadership point is a really good one because it's, it it kind of links back in a weird way to the to the couple of questions before we had a look. We were talking about in terms of you know if someone is playing better, but there's you know there's a better combination that works together. Mm. Then you've got to go with a combination. That's you know with leadership as well. There's there's certain players, isn't there, that you want in the changing room and. You know, if if they're in the changing room and in the environment, you 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 you're walking taller, you're feeling you're feeling better. Everything just feels a lot more comfortable. And Ken has got to be one of those players, isn't he? So, you know, if he's oh, in yeah, the camp, you're feeling you're, you're feeling good. I tell you, interestingly, with that as well. And again, I may be overstating this, but seeing as Murph said that that Dowie Lake's like a, a South African hooker, I feel like I've got the the opportunity to do so. But he also he captained the under twenties, didn't he? He captained them to a win over New Zealand and. Mm. Um, you know the last few years have not been particularly spectacular for the uh, for the under twenties, but I know he's kind of highly rated in that regard as well as someone who leads by example and mm. um, you know he kind of spoke very well and passionately afterwards. And I think that you know there, there's definitely there's definitely he's one of those young players who you feel confident has that leadership potential. Like when Ellis Jenkins came into the side, people knew at the you know the age of twenty twenty one he was a you know he was a, a player who's captain captaincy material. And I kind of wonder whether, um, you know, whether Lake might fall into that category as well. Yeah, uh, he's, if anything, um, his promises in the twenties has taken a long time to hmm. mature. Um, but um, hopefully, this is this is the start of him because he he just looks he looks a specimen, doesn't he? And so, if he keeps all his technical side on, on board, then uh, you've got a player on our hands, I think. I think we do. Right, let's have a look at the uh, at the Ireland-France game. Uh, we're kind of teeing this up beforehand as being the title decider. Uh, anything having watched the game to uh, to suggest that wasn't the case, Murph? No. Very high-level game. Um, and I, I thought um, it, it was... The scoreline didn't reflect how much better France were than Ireland at the end. It was only a six-point margin at the mm. end. And I think if Sexton had been fit, they could have cut an extra few points and they could have got a really squeaky bum at the end. If they, uh, Fran- What I mean is France didn't capitalise on, on their dominance yeah. with on, on the scoreboard. Um, so we could have got ugly if Sexton was fit, I think. But um, I can't I can't see anyone beating them, like I said already. And they, they, the, way, the way they got players queuing up in the background as well, they brought in, like we've covered six, seven, eight new players into this squad. Plus you got Charles Olive on to come back. Plus you got Teddy Thomas to come back and the guy who took over for him scored a hat-trick in the first game. It's just piling up ridiculous amount of depth and they're all buying into their system. 
And I, I think they, especially at a home World Cup, I think they should, I, maybe they are, I haven't checked it. They should be, they should be favourites for the World Cup in, in my opinion. If they're 12 to 1, I will have, <laughs> I'll have, a, I'll have a bet on them. Oh, I'll have a bit of that at 12 to 1. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it should be 2 to 1, I think. Yeah. Um, yeah, we will, uh, we'll, I'll, I'll get the, I'll get the odds up at, uh, at some point and I'm, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll tweet them out. Dan, you're, um, Look like you're furiously looking at your notes there. What what, what gems of insight have you got for us? Is this is this bookmaker related? <laughs> no, I've I've got I've got to stand down on that and leave that to to to, to you and Murph. But um, yeah, agree agree with a lot a lot of what's said there. Their depth is just it, it's yeah. it's it's starting to get unfair, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah not, you're right. It's not very fair, <clears throat> especially for um, a little country like us. It's just, it, it's just exactly not, not cricket. Do we um? Could we please have Jaminet uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and and Fiku? I think Fiku would probably. We'll just have Fiku. That that'll that'll be fine, and um, we'll we'll base a good bit around him. But yeah, they that that game, it was a step up, wasn't it? Step up in, okay. Let's use let's use let's use my favourite word. Step up in tempo, intensity, <laughs> all the usuals. Roll out the cliches. It was it was great, wasn't it? End to end, edge of the seat. Um, and I did find myself thinking, I wonder if how it would have gone if Sexton was there, because mm. he is playing brilliantly, isn't he? Mm. But I think France are good enough at the moment to find a way. They seem to, you know, before they'd struggle with changing their game if something wasn't quite working. Mm. For me now, they, they they change it up quite a lot. Like they they're really sort of. I don't know whether it's the direction off the pitch that, that they get messages on well, or it's the players on the park that that will change it. Um, but they seem to be able to change the change the way in which they play so quickly, and it's just a it's just a thing of beauty, isn't it? It's so good to have a great French side back in the Six Nations. It makes the tournament for me. Yeah, yeah, I absolutely absolutely agree with that. And uh, yeah, it's interesting that you listed listed a couple of the the centres there, Dan, as well, but. I mean, the strength in depth there is just absurd, isn't it? So they, uh, Dante didn't play yesterday, did he? Moafana Mo came in. Mofana, yeah. Um, yeah. And, they, and they've still got Vakatawa, who's not featuring whatsoever. And you know, he's he's the kind of player you could build. A, you could build, you know, build an entire backline around, regardless of what nationality you are. He's that good, I think, that you yeah. could go right. Here's you know, here's the focal point of the backline, and we'll build everything else around him. And you know, he's um, you know, he's not featured for them for a while. So, yeah. I, you do get the feeling that this is this is a French side that's that's going to go on and, and win lots and and the running for them now leading into that that England game to finish, which could potentially be the uh, the Grand Slam uh, the Grand Slam decider for them. Uh, yeah, it's a pretty a pretty mouthwatering way to to finish the tournament. Yeah, um, not only um, the quality of their depth and everything else I think I heard someone on commentary or punditry yesterday at the game say that the management had basically offloaded some of the older players and just said listen mm. we, we think you we think you're good enough to be in the squad but we don't think you'll be here in a couple of seasons so we're letting you go now and bringing in a youngster I, 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 I might have dreamt that but I, I maybe it was the French pundit I can't remember who it was on on, on the on yesterday's match, it's normally um, it's normally Kaiser, Benjamin, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, Benjamin Kaiser. Yeah, but uh, I'm not sure who it was, and it could have been could have been whoever was on commentary. But um, I'm sure I heard someone say that uh, some of the older players have been told that um, we're just going to make room. You know, it's nothing wrong with your game. We're just looking to freshen up the keep the side young because we're planning for World Cup and the World Cup after that. So that I mean that that's a sign of the luxury luxurious position they're in. Uh, with with the number of players they got, yeah. Um, moving on to the to the Italy England game, which we'll, we'll talk about briefly. I mean, anything anything of any real kind of note in there? I suppose it was the the kind of expected fairly easy win from England. A bit of a clunky second half, mm-hmm. and any kind of crumbs of hope for Italy, or um, or any kind of uh, bits of weakness in England that you think we can capitalise on. Well, I think that would have been 50, 60 points a couple of years ago. That's the important thing to say. It's come up on Twitter again about relegation from Six Nations. I didn't actually see it myself, but I saw someone reacting to it, Paul Williams mm-hmm. or someone reacting to the talk of relegation again on uh, on Twitter. But <clears throat> like I've said on here loads of times, every time Italy play Georgia, they win. Yeah, they win. They win every time. So they're improving. You know, they've been to a doldrums, obviously. They're improving and uh, they came in 
they came in because of the business. Every in the Five Nations, every weekend, one team was on a rest yeah. week, so they found a six team so that everyone could play every week, and then we could have more more TV coverage and more revenue and more advertising. So they came in for business, and that's why they're here, and that's why they're staying. Uh, and we just got to get them more more competitive. And I don't think anyone could do it for them. They, they've they made steps with the under twenties, and it's starting to show. Because, like I say, that would have been a bit of a cricket score. Uh, well, and the, the, the under twenties beat England six 0 on Friday exactly. as well, yeah, exactly. which, is a, so. which is a wonderful, uh, a wonderful kind of nineteen sixty scoreline as well. You, <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, you yeah. don't get many of them, yeah. do you? Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> that, that was a <laughs> that was a four point try and then a two point penalty afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> it's a rugby yeah. league scoreline, isn't it? It's yeah. Like, yeah, it's like a nineties rugby league scoreline. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah you know, that's, that's got to be encouraging. Again, you know. Definitely. Whatever, whatever age level, you know, I, I think that's a big plus for them. Yeah, I think they beat they beat us, didn't they, last summer in the uh, under twenty six nations? I think they did. I think they might have done, yeah. Yeah, so you know, yeah. it's been it's been coming with their under twenties, and um, fingers crossed because uh, again, if uh, obviously France are back to what we always think they should be, and if Italy get back to where they were in the early days with Parise and Dominici, not Dominici. Mm-hmm. Dominguez, yeah, and Tronc play, uh, Tronc on plays like that. If they get to where it was hard to beat them over there, mm-hmm. if you didn't have a strong pack, um, then it turns into a really, really competitive game because we, we would definitely be under the cosh every match then. So, yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely agree with you. And just to go back to the the kind of the, the commercial point as well, you know, I'm all in favour of there being more. Um, what's the word? Uh, more opportunities for the for the tier two nations to to play to play against the tier ones. I just don't feel like relegation actually solves that. I've kind of changed my mind on this. A few years ago, I thought, fine, let's give it a go, make it a bit of a meritocracy. But you can imagine actually how either you just had a yo-yo like that and Italy came, you played Italy one season, then Georgia the next, or you might get a, you know, a season where, where someone else gets relegated. Um, but I think the thing with the Six Nations is there's always that kind of edge you know, to a game. If we've lost, you know, if we've lost a couple, but then we're playing England like this, we're not going to win the title this year. But you go to Twickenham, and then you suddenly start dreaming. And even if, even if nothing happens, but you manage to beat them, it's a, you know, it's always a big scalp. And the danger is that that you end up with, you know, Italy versus Georgia just being a bit of a meaningless game in the middle of it. Whereas you do have that history with it. I'd be much more in favour of seeing that reform coming in the in the autumn internationals or in the summer where you create a more meaningful tournament at that stage. Because I do think the Six Nations, from a spectacle and a commercial point of view, has its maximum appeal with these six sides. And I include South Africa in that. I know you could get more money in the short term, but you know it just, it just doesn't work for me. You, have, you don't have any of that geography. You lose that kind of... Um, yeah. You lose that, that specialty that everyone's on each other's doorstep. Yeah, with with the England Italy game, I I struggled. I thought it was quite a tough watch mm. um, for me. It was um, not easy, not easy on the eye. But Italy, I thought Italy played some really decent stuff, but their their discipline was so bad, I, I, embarrassingly embarrassingly bad, that they just killed anything that they that they. You know, they they anything that they tried to that was good, they they gave up because because of their discipline, and then they made it so easy for England again to their discipline. So they could have that that scoreline could have been a lot better for 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 Italy. They wouldn't have won, but I I thought it was it was you know there was some good bits in there from Italy and England. I thought were all over the shop really. I didn't think they looked particularly good. Um, but they still won comfortably, didn't they? So you know, is that a sign of a good side? I don't know. Let's. Uh, well, let's it see. goes back. It goes back to um, what I said the other week: is that they're not comfortable at, at international level playing like Harlequins. They just don't yeah. like it. It, it, it's, it's, it yeah. makes them queasy. Like you know, it's, yeah. I think it was our preferred way uh, in this country. But um, I, I can see. I, I, I obviously I'm <laughs> delighted when it goes wrong over the border, but I can see things going belly up in at least one game 
for England. Uh, well, it has. They lost to Scotland. Well, but, I, yeah, but I mean, has. I just mean um, structurally their, their game falling apart. I don't. I don't mean narrowly losing in a away match. I mean their game going get just getting picked off by interceptions and different things where they're overplaying. Um, couple of people smashing into Marcus Smith and roughing his hair up, that kind of thing. Can I can see that happening uh, at some point in the tournament. I love um, the way you're saying at some point in the tournament. No one wants to mention it. They <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, we, we'll come to that now because I, yeah. I, 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 I worry. I, I don't think we can go to Twickenham with two open sides. In, in no, the I absolutely agree. There's I, I would rather things. put a second row on the blind side like England do all the time yeah. and, and go there with two little guys. Uh, I think we get roughed up if that happens. Yeah, I thought as well as the back row went yesterday, um, you know, it was a, it was a, a massive, perform, you know, massive step up in performance. I still worry about that, um, about like you said there, just having that that right balance and the amount of ball carriers and yeah, I uh, I definitely definitely worry about that. What are you, what are your thoughts, Dan, when it comes to when it comes to kind of needing some more physicality in the pack when it goes to Twickenham? Yeah, I'm. I'm... I'm back and forth on it, to be honest. I, before before the pitch, um, whether we should just get a much bigger back row and, and, and have the sort of, you know, the phys, up the physicality, the line-out presence, everything, just just look, you know, look like a bigger a bigger pack, more weight and everything. But I, um, I was really quietly impressed with Jack Morgan. I, I thought he had a... Me too. I thought he had a really great game, and I know I, I know exactly what you're saying about you know do we you know sometimes you've got to make those calls even even if someone had a big game it's it's you've got to take it out and look at it in the next game you know and they're they're yeah they can have a monster at six aren't they um, but can we you know could we could could that be could that be their their failure you know if we if we yeah. if if we have to so it's always it's always the the debate, isn't it? You know, can we go? That was, with... that was my thinking ahead of uh, ahead of Ireland. Is I thought actually just by being a bit more mobile, maybe we'll um, you know, maybe by having twin fetchers on there, we can uh, you know, we can cause some problems at the breakdown. And a mixture of refereeing and just general lack of physicality meant that was definitely not the case. And that's my biggest fear is that the same thing will happen at Twickenham is because they do get a lot of front football, especially at Twickenham. They got big pack, like Murph says, they'll be they'll be probably uh, you know laws or a toji playing at six and it will just it you know it just means you've got a, a lot of physicality to deal with and i kind of just feel like a yeah we're, we're missing a another six slash eight into the into that back row yeah N- navidi would be ideal for the english oh, navidi would be perfect yeah, yeah. Would be um, just ideal for, for everything isn't it what yeah, would we do but, for navidi but you know yeah. he, he just loves a big number eight don't he it's, 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 it's yeah. his yeah. favorite thing to grab hold of like you know um yeah. But I, I, I think we agreed they've got to choose between Basham and Jack Morgan, and yeah. I think based on what we've seen so far, they'll they'll choose Bain ba- uh, Tame Basham, Bain, <laughs> Bain Tasham, Tame Basham. We didn't do a, uh, obviously we didn't do a response to the selection of this side, and I thought the way Jack Morgan went from not even in the autumn squad even though he was playing just as well early mm-hmm. seasons as he is now, uh, to go from starting a Six Nations game <laughs> after two matches, after having been overlooked for people like Thomas uh, Young and different players mm-hmm. in the autumn. Uh, I thought it was a little bit panic mode. I, I don't know. I don't know. What, I, I just thought I, it just didn't seem consistent with the selections, if you know what I mean. And yeah, it if felt we, like... If we'd lost like, yesterday, um, my knives yeah. would have been out. Definitely, it felt like one of those uh, one of those cricket selections. You know, like England have been bowled out for 130, yeah. and there's just like just like bring back whoever else is in the squad. Yeah, oh, get, this, him. get him, get him back in again. Yeah, get this 18 year old opener in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, like I know that. what you mean. But yeah. he acquitted he acquitted himself well. I just think again, I, I, for I all think the we, talent we, we have in the back row, I don't feel like we've got a settled. No. We don't have a settled side. We, I think the front are... five, that is our best front five. I think yeah. that's the yeah. best front five we have available. The back row, centres, even maybe back three, I'm not I'm no. not sure. But we're well, off for open sides. Like we're well off for open sides for the next 10 seasons with those two. Yeah. Uh, we just got to find someone to nail down the six. I mean, it, it, I, I would have... I would have 
gone with Moriarty they, because there was a lack of um, aggression in the side last week. But I possibly might have kept um, Aaron Wainwright on the blind side just mm. for size. And if not, maybe even Seb Davis on the blind side. I think he's probably too big now. When he was younger, he did it. Um, yeah. But it's just... it's just well, he did, like, it, he the did thing it in is, the autumn, it, didn't he? Yeah, you, you know the, the op- you know the two open sides thing. We've we've done it before with uh, Warburton and 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 um, Tiprick. Yeah. And if if we were playing the way people suspect we're supposed to be playing under Pivac, which is uh, free flowing open rugby, then by all means, you know, go with two two um, two open sides. But we're not. This is stilted. There's nothing. There's no flow. So we're gonna we mm-hmm. we end up in contact all the time. Therefore, we need. Someone bigger than Ali. Um, yeah. If we had if we had a free flowing backline, I would say, well, okay, okay, it's a risk at Twickenham, but yeah. by all means, because it fits what we're doing. But it, it, we're not doing it, so we 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 need some some big fucker there. The other yeah, thing is I, when I we when we did pick uh, Tipperick and Warburton, the two sevens, they they are they are bigger men than our than our two sevens, aren't they? By I know, I mean, yes, yeah, absolutely. They're they're, mm. they're they're bigger guys, aren't they? And mm. yeah. It's, it's a, it's a good point. And they were I, playing I, with Falato. Yeah, mm. exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I have found myself thinking, could you know, could Seb Davis, you know, could we could we bring him into the back row? He, he, he's yeah, too he's bulky definitely, now myself. He, he looks big, doesn't he? Mm. He does look mm. big. Mm. Um, I think the way in which if we need to try and work out the way in which England are going to play, don't we? Because today they held off a lot of they didn't they didn't um, they didn't commit many players to the. Um, to, to the rucks at all, they just let they just left let them have it and then fanned out. Um, but they still got caught even with even with doing that, not committing many players. Um, yeah, there's a few there's a few things I, I think we can we can target with them. But yeah, the back row is going to be a fascinating one, isn't it? And I I just don't know what to do. Yeah, well, I think I, I you know again there was a lot of changes from from England for this fixture, and I think there will be again because again I just don't think Eddie knows his best team. And certainly the back line, I don't think he's got a clue. You know, the, the Slade and Daly and Marchant combination of 11, 12, 13 last week, I thought was really odd. Um, I thought they missed Noel when he went off today because he's an actual international class winger playing on the wing. And, yes. you know, again, he could end up with a back line with very little experience in it. Or yeah, better still, uh, Ben I Young's. <laughs> I think... Um... Two Alagi's had two games back on his return to fitness. If he plays well again with no issues next weekend for his club, I think he'd be straight back in the starting. Really? 15. I do, yeah. Oh, well, but, that's well, frightening. Because, well, yeah, because well, they're playing um, uh, Exeter boy, uh, Slade. They're playing Slade out of position. And it shows. Yeah, um, I did, yeah two uh, Alagi walking money. Yeah, uh, what's his name? Uh, the genius who, who was not in coaching anymore. Sir Clive Woodward. He's so good. He doesn't coach anymore. Um, he said there's there's twelves, you know, in England. And he's just not picking them, but so he's picking his tried and tested faithful out of position, which he's very fond of doing um, throughout the last few years, ever since the World Cup, I'd say, and probably beyond. And and again, he, he almost picked a balanced second row th- this game. He picked Curry at uh, open side, a proper number eight in uh, Dombrandt, and then when he had the chance to pick yeah, Lewis Ludlam, I think I think Ludlam might be. Might be injured, but uh, a proper blindside. He, he stuck a toji on there, um, and so long may that continue because that's an imbalanced back row and that suits us. But um, yeah, no. When I when I when I earlier on when I said about the meltdown that might come with the English side, I don't think it's going to come at Twickenham in a fortnight. I think it's going to come in Paris. Yeah. yeah well, we uh, we we can live in hope anyway. Yeah. Um, let's have a look for for what you do with the teams next week quickly. Um, I th- are we all in agreement? The front, f- uh, sorry, not next week. Uh, the the week after, are we all in agreement? Front five stays the same. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The second row pair, pair him was really good. I thought yesterday I up thought against they were, yeah. up against a good opposition as well. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah went really bulk, well, bulky, it? Um, bulky second rows as well in Gilchrist and Gray, and then into the back row. Um, look, Moriarty has to be there for for physicality. I would go. Basham and 
I would bring back Wainwright. I really feel like a game like this, we'd mem- we're missing not having like Shane Lewis Hughes in there. Just mm. another really big proper mm. blind side. Yeah, but I would probably go Wainwright. Yeah, he's built like a second row, Shane Lewis Hughes. Yeah, yeah. I'd love. Yeah. yeah, I'd like to see him there. Yes, yeah, he four. just hasn't been on the pitch enough for Cardiff, so you, you can you can't blame anyone for not being in the squad. But mm. um, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'd probably go uh, Wainwright six though. Yeah, I would. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, I think I would. Yeah, Dan, back row for you. Yeah, it's, it's really tricky. It's, it's tricky, isn't it? I want to, I want to keep the same, but I think that Wainwright makes sense, doesn't it? More experienced, the bigger guy, um, and when he's firing, he is, he is brilliant, isn't he? It's easy to think, you know, you know, he's, he's, he was, he was Wales's best player for for a good while, wasn't he? You know, Wainwright, mm. he's just been off, oh, yeah. off it a little bit. So yeah, Wainwright, Wainwright to come back in. Let's go with that. Okay, half backs the same. Yeah, yeah I thought thought uh, Thomas Williams. Thomas Williams went well, didn't he? And um, you know, stayed on the pitch for the whole run of it. And bigger, mm. uh, well, bigger wasn't going to come off, was he? <laughs> uh, um, what I will say about Thomas Williams is, I think he's been used wrong. He, he's always, mm. especially early in the game, he's always in the front line of the defence, basically playing centre. Making yeah. tackles in the front line—that's not his game. Gareth Davis, if you're going to do that, Gareth Davis yeah, yeah. is the Gareth man. For that. Gareth Davis yeah. is probably yeah. the best defensive nine uh, in the world, possibly, um, uh, or on last World Cup form at least. Mm. And um, yeah, yeah, he's tackling too many, isn't he? Yeah, he's, he's just—and he's, he's, he's so slight. He's having to go around their laces all the time, and I don't know who is benefiting. It's not—he's not cutting them down yeah. uh, beyond the gain line, or, or you know, I don't know what. I really don't know what the thinking is on it. So I think he's been used wrong, uh, but I don't think they'll change him. And if we're like the aforementioned uh, back line is not moving, um, one guy who would get the back line moving for me if he was on the bench to come on is Anscombe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I mean, I, last I, time I we had a floating back line, he was playing. Yeah, he was. Um, I, I think there's very little chance of it. And I also <laughs> think that, he's, well, you know, he's, again, he's just not played any more rugby, has he? It makes, no. almost makes We could have a run out this week. Yeah, that's or, true. Or Priestland. I know you yeah. won't like that, but... No. I, I, I don't yeah, think he... I, no. Beautiful, I don't think he got the legs. Beautiful pass in 10, though. Yeah, he is. Uh, he mm. is, absolutely. And they, but, um... they, they do look a bit vulnerable out wide, England. Uh, yeah. with, with the back line we've got at the moment, I, I can't see us getting... We don't get on the outside, do we, at all? We, we can't... No. It, it basically goes to Bigger. Bigger looks up and thinks, oh, jeez. And, and 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 should we 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 we, we the only option we've got is to kick. Um, but yeah, pretty well, yeah. Anyway, Priestland maybe for me to come in on the bench. But there we are. Yeah. I, well, um, I mean, I don't think he had any intention of bringing uh, uh, GD on yesterday. If if it hadn't been for no, bigger no, knee. So, so, yeah. so why is he there other than um, Pivac yeah. likes him? He definitely you know? doesn't have any confidence in him, does he? Bigger was hanging on by a thread. And there was, and they weren't going to bring him off. Well, he even made him take the kick. He wanted to come off, and they made him take the kick into yeah. touch first before he came off. Because he, I mean, uh, what that tells Which you, was a whether that's just touch a, finder, by the way. Yeah, and uh, whether that, yeah, it tells you anything what they think about GD's kicking for touch. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know what the, I don't know what that was about. But uh, strange. Um, well, basically, that's the same with Anscombe. We got Shidi and Anscombe. They both, for different reasons, but I don't think they're going to play. I mean. Hmm. Yes, yeah, very odd. Well, I think he, I, no, I think he'll pick Sheedy again. I, he, would, he will definitely pick Sheedy again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't. No, I'd be, I'd be with you on that. I don't think he's, um, a, I don't think he's as playing as well as he was when he broke into the Welsh side uh, eighteen months what, ago or whatever it was. What would you, who would you pick out, out of Sheedy or or Priestland if you had to bench? Oh, I don't know. Jared I haven't, I hadn't thought, I hadn't thought past that. <laughs> Bear, bear in yeah. mind, Priestland, Priestland played in England many, many years. Yeah, no, I, I would, I would pick Priestland over Sheedy. Um, like I say, I, I was, I thought it was a really odd selection having four fly halves and one of them is thirty-five. <laughs> I thought that's really odd. Going really into odd, it. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also, like we said, I don't think he has any intention of picking Priestland in the squad. I think he's, he's kind of, I don't know, I don't know quite why he's, um, yeah, what what the thinking was there when one of your tens is your captain. And I don't think he shows any sign of not picking Chidi at 22. Um, for me, I think Anscombe would be the yeah the best bet on the bench. But then then it would be then it would be Priestland um, after that. 
of the tens who are in the squad? Uh, Prieston's not really first choice at Cardiff. Well, he's barely really played, has he? He got injured in that first yeah. game, was out for a bit, came back. Then, then there's all the COVID stuff. But I feel um, like Dar Young's pinned the colours to pinned his colours to Jared Evans. Yeah, I think he has. I think he has, and um, so yeah. makes it look even more unusual, really, for a 35-year-old to keep making the squad in the build-up to a World Cup. I mean, obviously, don't get me wrong. There's, there are all the old players in outside of uh, Reese Priestland, but we're not short of tens. That's what I'm getting at. No, and they're not generally not holding tackle bags either. Um, <laughs> into the into the centres, I, I like we said. I know he will go. I think he'll he'll definitely go Tompkins. Quite who he goes with him. That's his boy. <laughs> yeah, it is. His, he is his boy. Yeah, he is. What I will say for Tompkins, I saw a tweet the other day. It's like he's had eight different partners. I think since yeah, he played yeah, for yeah, Wales yeah, in the yeah, centre. Yeah, and um, yeah, and that can't help things. No. Um, you, you could I mean, argue it's the other way around. You could. I mean, for, for he's, me, he's getting I, his mates dropped every week. <laughs> I know, we're, we're definitely going to get pelters from people saying we're being harsh. Right? <laughs> and with that in mind, for me, the, I would... the advantage here is he's not from a particular part of, you know, like Sheedy is from Rhodes Plot area, yeah. so there's like a there's like a fan club, and other players are from certain clubs like. Uh, uh, Trim Saren or or, or, yeah. or, or uh, um, Trabanos or whatever, like uh, yeah, yeah. Justin Tibrick. So the, the, there's hate mail on this way, but with uh, Tompkins because he's <laughs> over the border, there's the, there's no cult following for the guy. So well, also fine. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure he knew there was a <laughs> there was any any Welsh connection until relatively recently. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that's that's fine for me to say as well. Um, but yeah, for me, I think I think what I think Watkin and Davis would be the best would be the best option for Twickenham. Um, I know it's moving Watkins then to twelve, but I think you know they've played together enough before. I think they're probably the best two centres. Halaholo hasn't played enough to, uh, I don't think, to to get into that at the moment. Um, so for me, I, I think that's I think that would give a bit more shape. I, I, um, I'd be happy for Jonathan Davis to carry on on the bench as well. Would you? Yeah, I thought mm. he was. I mean, he was exactly the right sub for that situation yesterday. Exactly right. He just read everything even when there was a slight break on he, he had it all in hand and he was he was re- obviously i suppose everyone like everyone watching uh was quite jittery and nervous in that last uh that last section where they, they only needed a try to finish it off and um the interventions from jd really helped my nerves mm-hmm. i will say that yeah no i agree um and then what about on the wings as well i, mean, I thought cuthbert acquitted himself really well yesterday actually he went looking for work he carried with real intent could have could have gone over in the corner. Um, mm. There is an argument that he keeps his place and, uh, and yeah. misses out if, yeah, uh, yeah. if Adams is fit. I wouldn't do that personally. I, I, I think I'd be tempted to stick with Zawit just because of that. You know what I mean? Just I just think that pace at some point. Yeah. I dropped him, Jed. Oh, God, there he is. Where's yeah. that selection blazer come from? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 it's dishonest. Dusty up here. Um, yeah. Zamit, um, Zamit doesn't look at the races for me. Um, the try, the Darcy Graham's a fantastic shouldn't finisher. Be, he, sh- shouldn't be letting that in. The, no. the strength on him as well is is mm. is impressive, but he he had to do better there, mm. and it, yeah, it just it 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 wasn't great. And I just I just don't think his all round game is there to be honest. If he'd missed that, if he'd missed that, and then that was that was it. I, you know, that that it would be all right to a degree. I think that if there was other things coming from him, but I just think he's completely off. He's not with it at the moment. And Josh Adams is a. We need our defence. We need our, you know, everyone that's going to read well against England. So for me, I, he's going to have to step down. Um, he, he was yeah. definitely outplayed by Cuthbert. Cuthbert played better than mm. oh, uh, on the day. I think there's a element with uh, Rhys Amit, uh, which is similar to a young George North, where he's just a lovely boy. And if you're playing at this level, or actually any level where you've got to get stuck in, you need to be a bit of a prick. And mm. he's just a lovely boy. You can see he's a lovely boy. And on that tackle on, on uh, um, Darcy Bustle, or whatever his bloody name is, <laughs> uh, he, he had to get his head in. He's tackling with his arms yeah. and his shoulders all the time. He had to get Ed in on his on his butt on his torso and knock the knock the guy off his feet. And he is, he is 
like it's easy for us to criticize because his athleticism is otherworldly like he he runs mm. very upright which is wrong you know in rugby but he's so quick it doesn't matter and when it's when he carries into contact he, he's he, he gets caught out because his running style is so upright. He, he hasn't got that sort of low running action thing going on. So that's going to be something he's got to work with. But when it's tackling, there's no time for the high running <laughs> style. You've got to get your head in there. And if you cut your face or bash your pretty looks around, that's tough shit because it's your job. And I think that element where George North was too friendly when he was younger and he's got tougher as he's got older. I think that's what Lewis Rees-Samet is battling at the moment myself. Yeah, it's very easy for you to say that, Murph. What, a, pretty, <laughs> a, a pretty boy like Daniel Killick. Yeah, that, Dan would have, Dan would have shirked, Dan would have shirked that one. I was yeah, pretty till I was about twenty-three, and then. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dan, Dan Killick knew his looks. His looks meant more. Uh, meant more for his career. Dashing, <laughs> dashing young cross between Chris Coleman and uh, Chris Coleman and Gavin Henson. Have I got a point though about him being non nasty enough? Possibly. I, I don't know whether it's the nastiness. I think it's just a bit of this is what happens when you've played 10, 10 tests and you're really young is mm. you then hit, you know, that honeymoon period goes. Difficult second album. Like, <laughs> difficult second album. This yeah. is it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, and you know, I, that's why I'd be tempted to stick with him and, and back himself to, to kind of get through it. Um, but I thought Cuthbert, I thought Cuthbert had a, you know, a really impressive game and, and fair play to him. It's kind of the complete opposite of Liam Williams in a way. Liam Williams yeah. doesn't look much, uh, yeah. but he got a way of hurting everyone, uh, knocking everyone off their feet and pissing everyone off every time yeah. he does something, especially, you know, opposition fans and, they're, you know, they're all into him all the time. Whereas it's just a, uh, it's like a, it's a nice, lovely smile well, on Louis. You can have, you can have both like, like Dan Biggers proven, you know, again, every yes, yeah. fan yeah. hates him and, you know, he's got that real niggle and whingy, you know, narkiness to him, but all accounts, anyone tells you off the pitch, he will give anyone, he will give anyone their time. Oh yeah. And he's an all round thoroughly lovely bloke. Well, um, it's nothing to do with, you know, what, what you do on the pitch is nothing to do with yeah. your personality. It's white, yeah, it's white yeah, line yeah. fever. You go on and everyone yeah. in the opposite shirt has got to be smashed up. And that's, that's the way, yeah. that's the way rugby is. Um, you know, you could be soft as a shite uh, the rest of the time, you know, in the head and everything. But once the pitch, once the whistle blows, the, the, the thing is uh, that is that what happened there to Lewis Tree Summit, that's in the record books, in his in his the history of his career that he missed a tackle on his opposite number in an important mm. game in a Six Nations game. That is gonna something he's gonna have to Block get, get past. Yeah. And so the next time he faces him or any other winger, he's gotta be looking at him like you're dead. You are mm. freaking dead. And and that's he he, he I don't know him. I, I know people who know people who know around him, like my in-laws know his parents and what have you. And he, I get the impression he's just a lovely boy and he needs to stop being a lovely boy once the whistle goes. There we go. Well, I'm sure if he wants any pointers on that, there's no one better to uh, to consult than you, Murph. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Lewis, if you're listening, oh, mate, and I, you want some, I was rowing with traffic some... the other day. Don't, 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 go, don't get me started. <laughs> and you want some, you want some lessons on uh, on how to yeah how to be a nasty bastard or to, to <laughs> row with traffic. Murph is your man. But fellas, yeah. look, that will um, that will bring us to a conclusion for this evening. Please don't let uh, my tirade about Louis Rissamet be the last thing I say on here. No, that is that is definitely it. <laughs> oh shit. Uh, uh, maybe we. Won't won't invite you back and it'll be the last thing that you ever say on this podcast um well if, before, if the rams yeah. win tonight uh, uh, i might drink myself we may never anyways. see you again yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah i might end up in a kibbutz or something that's it, that's it. Oh, what a thought that is um but yeah great to uh, great to chat rugby with you fellas as always a big thanks to the mighty murph to dan killick and to our sponsors at so coffee trades uh, a quick shout for uh, for our pal scott Otten at uh, at so coffee trades they've just done a uh, they just signed a deal with uh, with Cardiff uh, International Airport as well to supply coffee to them. So well done, Scott. It's a good good to see uh, a, a, an independent Welsh business doing uh, doing really well. So uh, yeah, long may that continue. And I'm sure we played a massive hand in all that. Um, so uh, yeah, massive uh, massive congratulations to Scott. Right, we'll be back next week uh, to chat rugby with you. Thanks for listening.
Sports Social Podcast Network.